This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast. Proud to be a part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger and Clay Byersdorfer alongside handsome Andy Hanselman behind the board. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay on Twitter at Ton of Clay. And Andy Hanselman, I forgot your Twitter handle. What is it? Oh, it's at Emo6. At Emo6. I am 6 I am 6 uh-huh. as an Emo pizza. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Very appropriate for 314 Day. Definitely Absolutely. Is. And Pie Day. It's pie, and day. pie Day. It's a Pie Day. Yeah, it's a pizza, a pizza Pe- Pie. Pizza Pie yeah. Day, the day that uh, we lost Stephen Hawking, the great Stephen Hawking. He R- is no longer with us. Rest in peace. It's amazing that in his condition, he lasted until 76, yeah, I, isn't I, it? I didn't he had ALS. ALS. Because ALS. That's crazy. I, I'm not even joking around. ALS to me is one of those diseases that as soon as you get it, live out your life as long as you can. And then when you start to get really bad, like Steve Gleason. Maybe it's time to go out your own way. Do a pull a hire a Dr. Jack Vorkian to come on down. If, yeah, if he was a dirt napping, well, if he was, if he if he was with us. I think yeah. Stephen Hawking did more in one lifetime than oh my god, we yeah. did with all of our <laughs> lives combined. And you think so? L- just L- he might just be a little bit smarter, just but you know what? With him gone, we have all risen in the rankings of uh, smartest earthlings. That's correct. That's, We've all gone we're up rings. one. That's we're up not, one at least. That's not a fact. And also, we just kind of took a dig at a dead man right there. But. Oh. <laughs> also, how do we take a dig at a dead man? I mean, we're calling him great. And I've guys caught TMA this morning. It's also the five-year anniversary of the man-the-woman press conference. Oh, my goodness. Mm. <laughs> Talking about St. Louis history right, right. there. Absolutely. Yeah. The man and the woman. The Marshall Plan. What a great idea that was, right? Oh, hit me like a bolt of lightning. <laughs> Work, worked out to see it. Uh, well, here we, I'm, I'm here talking about how smart I am, but yesterday I was a complete and total idiot. It is Wednesday when we record the Last Man Up podcast, and then we have a group chat on Facebook, and we were talking about how next week is it okay if we record on Tuesday. Yeah. And I missed, must have overlooked the next week part, and I thought it was this week. Oh. So yesterday, I schlepped all the way from O'Fallon, Missouri, to beautiful Glen Carbon, Illinois, and I'm parked out front, and I don't see Andy's van anywhere. <laughs> so I send Andy a text. I'm like, hey, where are you? And he's like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm sitting out front. And he's like, no, it's next week. And I'm like, is it next week? I'm like, I, I maybe it is. And then I went back and looked at the, at the group message, and yeah, sure enough, it was in fact, next week. Got you lost. scared the living crap out of me because I actually, I had plans last night. And because, I mean, because I, I knew that we weren't going to record a podcast. And he says, well, I'm here. I'm like, did I misread that? <laughs> nope. Am I, 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 am I in idiot. trouble with Matt and Clay and my wife? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll be honest kidding. with you. I misread things like that all the time. I misread, I misread emails all the time. I'm really bad about it. I wish it's one thing I myself I wish I would improve on. I misread emails and texts and stuff like that all the time. Well, I don't know if it's like some kind of attention deficit disorder that I have that I just like, yeah, 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 I got it. Or if I I have some kind of learning disability that I'm unaware of. Well, two things. One, we all have flaws, so no biggie. Two, um, looks like we're just going to have to set like calendar invites for Burger in the <laughs> yeah, future yes, when we please. change plans. That'll make, that'll make my life so much easier. Here's yep. another reason why I'm an idiot. So yesterday... 
I mean, we're a sports talk show, but we also go off the rails and talk about other things. We do. And I don't want to get into a political discussion. Not but at all. Rex Tillerson yesterday was fired by Trump. He was the Secretary of State. He is no longer the Secretary of State. So a friend of mine at work sends me an instant message, and I'm filling out my bracket uh, for the NCAA tournament. I'm filling out my bracket, and he's sending me. he sends me an instant message that says, Tillerson is out? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And I read it thinking that he means Jeremiah Tillman is out. Oh, wow. So I start to have a panic attack thinking, like, who's like, Mizzou's going to be like, pulling people out of the stands to play on this game on Friday night, the first one against Florida State in Nashville Friday night. I'm like, if Tillman's out, then <laughs> what's Mizzou going to do? Now they're really done. And I'm like... Jeremiah Tillman's out. He's like, no, you idiot. Rex Tillerson, he's been fired. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm an idiot. I fired him over Twitter. It was great. <laughs> there's not, a Not a bad impression. There's there's a common misconception between Rex Tillerson and Jeremiah they Tillerson. They look so much alike. I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, they're practically twins. Identical. You know what? Rex Tillerson, he's got nothing to do right now. I got a feeling Mizzou's going to be one and done in the tournament on Friday. Don't hate me, Mizzou fan. I just got a feeling they're not they're not going to make it. Fair assumption. Okay, so that means Jeremiah Tillman is going to have nothing to do after wins after Friday. Twins too, or a Twins remake? Those two. Twins remake. There uh, we go. Could we get them on the podcast? Both Rex Tillerson, former. <laughs> speaking of speaking of trying stay, staying in this political vein and the podcast, I am trying to book Stormy Daniels, who will be. At the Soje Ballet, the first weekend in April, I am trying to book her. Yes. Do you have to t- come into studio? No, I don't think we're, like that would be great. That'd be wonderful. That would be, That'd be wild. Highlight, but but I am tr- I am trying to book her. Yes. Well, best of luck. Thank you in that endeavor. So far, I'm getting no response. Well, I found the I found the woman who manages her, and I sent her a direct message on Twitter, and so far, nothing. Thought, I mean, just, just Stormy Daniels will sit right here in the beautiful Glen Carbon studio. That'd was, be something, shit. wouldn't it? Would, you want to talk about putting a <laughs> STL podcast on, on the map? On, on the map. the map. <laughs> that would do it. Fingers Even crossed. if she came in and says nothing. Right. Like, if she came in and says, I can't answer that, I can't answer that, that just people alone are going to want to hear hear what she has to say. We have the podcast audio that records her saying, yes. I, ca- I can't answer that. I can't answer wow. that. Yeah. It would. Could you imagine they use that in the court case for, for the court case in July? Do you think we'd be subpoenaed? We might. I better get insurance quick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are going to be joined on the phone later by Tara Wellman. She is a writer for the Birds on the Black uh, Cardinals fan blog, I believe is what it is. Correct, Clay? Is that it? It is a fan blog. Okay. A a really good fan blog, too, for all you. There's a lot of good good Cardinals ones out there. Birds on the Black is doing something really incredible right now just from their overall art direction to some of the stuff uh, that Cardinals Gifts is doing. Shout out to Gifts. Um, they have Joe Schwartz, who's now a writer at the Athletics. So yes. they've got some pretty prominent people, and they're doing some really, uh, really great things. That's a really good one, and so is uh, Viva Albertos, Craig hey. Edwards. He he got a promotion too. So nice, solid, nice, solid blog there too. There's a lot of like you know, usually it's like the old school journalists who kind of like thumb their nose at blogs and think that blogs like you know people who write blogs aren't for real. No, they're for real. They they are for real. Are the Cardinals credentialing those folks yet? I think some of them they do, but they may get like an auxiliary press pass yeah. where they're not going to be. I mean, like if you have a press pass with like with Birds on the Black or Viva Albertos, you're not going to be sitting right next to Derek Gould and Rick Hummel, but you may, you know, get a like maybe be on the, like the junior varsity for lack of a better term uh, press pass. Now, can you, uh, can you go down and get sound? 
or go to an, inter- an interview folks after the game? You probably can, maybe. I, I'm not 100% confident on that. I will say this, though, that the Cardinals do a really nice job of having a blogger's day okay. at Bush Stadium where they get the chance where it's just bloggers in the room and you get a chance to ask questions of uh, people like John Mazalak. They had last year, unfortunately, I wasn't able to attend, but um, they do a really good job. I think the St. Louis Cardinals have been really supportive of the blogging community. I mean, it's it's a big part of the fandom. So, Well, sure. I mean, it helps drive fans to the stadium, and they're all about that. 100%. Yeah, the Cardinals So there's really no reason to, you know, poo-poo them. I mean, Viva Alberto's been around for how long now? A long time. Long time. Ten, Forever. Ten, more than ten years, I think. Yeah. I think you're right. I think they've been around forever. They were a long, that, long time. They were in the heyday. Of blog, Absolutely, of they blogging. were. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or they're in the, yeah in the mid in the mid aughts. Mid aughts. I know. Like even blogging. even Bernie Micklitz would have uh, Craig Edwards on. So you Woody. know, if, if someone like a longtime journal like Bernie Micklitz, if he's going to have someone from a blog on, you know that. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe the uh, the stereotype or the way that uh, these old school writers look at uh, blogs, maybe some of that has turned. I think podcasting's like that too. A lot when of people change on- day of Bush Stadium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I bet you we could probably get on for we the probably could. We can one hundred percent get in on the bloggers' day. Well, we we could one hundred percent. I think get in whenever they have the the uh, radio luncheon. I yep. bet you we could. Sign oh, us I bet up. We could too. I bet you we could. Sign us and I, up. I've been to two of them. They're great. I didn't make it last year for some reason. I didn't get on the invite. I've I'm gonna br- been. I'm gonna to bring a lot. <laughs> baseball radio luncheons. I'm going to blame. Great. I'm going to blame John Hadley for that one for me not getting the, the invite to the one last year. Probably good, good but I, I'm just joking, <laughs> Hadley. If you're ever listening to this, I'm, I'm just totally kidding. But t- like uh, two years before that, I went to it. And it's, it means a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's not just like the sports radio people there. It's anybody that in St. Like Louis Guy radio. Philipson. Yeah, it's the whole the, crew. I don't know those guys. Uh, Michelle Smallman, who was on 101. Then uh, Ryan Rosillo's radio show, and now she's back on 101. That that her beautiful girl in person. Why wow, was she prettier in person than when you see her on pictures? And the same thing with uh, Lux from the Point. Lux is beautiful. She's a beautiful girl. I do a lot of work with the Point. With like, uh, what are you doing in radio? You're a beautiful girl. Why aren't <laughs> yeah. you on TV? They just she loves really... radio. And Lauren's a real pretty girl too from KC. She's a sweet girl too. Yep. She and I we follow each other on Twitter and on. Yep. Uh, and on Instagram, yeah, she's a sweetheart. I like learn a lot. They're just I'm, really passionate about radio. I'm friends with Lux under her real name on Facebook. Oh, look at you. Oh, look at me. Look at you, Andy Hanselman. Now we just need you to get be friends with Stormy Daniels, and it'll Yes, come, full, come full on. Worked at Hanselman Magic. Come on, let's go. I'm sure Andy. your wife will understand. Totally. You, befri- you? you befriending a porn star? <laughs> How you doing, Stormy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to stroke my beard? I was... <laughs> <laughs> watching uh, uh, watching Bill Maher's show on Friday night, he had a joke that made me laugh out loud. I almost fell on my couch. He was talking about the whole uh, Trump Stormy Daniels affair and how now it's been boiled down to he said she said, and he goes all depends on who do you believe, the fake blonde with the big tits or Stormy Daniels? <laughs> Zinger, <laughs> yeah, Zinger. Was, oh, that was really good. That made me that made Bazinga. me laugh. Yeah, Bazinga. pretty good. Um, a lot of people talk about how, in my opinion, I don't know about you guys. October to me is the best sports month out of the year because you have college football, you have the NFL, and then you have playoff baseball starting as well. And then, you know, NHL hockey. And I'm not then familiar the with this playoff close. baseball you speak of. Well, I mean, we, we've. I remember. Two, three three I, years ago, you remember it. Oh, I thought they stopped doing it three years ago. <laughs> they just called the whole thing off. Yeah. But um, I think October is the best sports month. But I'll tell you what, you can't really discount March and April. You can't. I mean, if you don't get a little excited on Selection Sunday when all these you know brackets come out, and if you don't spend multiple hours trying to fill your own out, um, I don't know who you are as a sports fan. Well, see, here's the, here's the question I pose to you two fellas. Which is the best sports sex 
This is the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, the conference championships in college football, Ooh. opening day, wild card weekend in the NFL, or is it every Sunday when you're sitting at home and you're watching NFL Red Zone for from uh, noon to 7 p.m.? I'll say this. There's no better feeling or just six straight hours of television than NFL Red Zone. I'm with you on that one. I mean, I am glu- I, I can't get glued to it the is- couch for any longer for any other reason other than NFL Red Zone for six straight hours on Sundays. I'm a big opening day guy. Okay. I've I, been I, I, I've been to about fifteen of the last twenty. For some reason, I don't find opening day as joyous as I used to. Yeah, and I was that way too. And I said last year I said I might be done. Okay. Like when I I went to college outside of Kansas City and then when I moved back it was 2000. And opening day this is that old Bush Stadium where well yeah. what was the capacity there like 50 or back it was, it was like 67,000? No, 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 no. Back when cuz in 2000 they would have had the the scoreboard in center field. So it was probably down to about 47,000. Oh, it was bigger than that, wasn't it? No. With with all the seats it was 55,000. Okay. And place. I think after the big remodel in 96 it was down to forty seven. Well, 000. I remember the good old days where you could like the cheapest ticket you could buy was ten bucks. Oh yeah, and I would buy ten ten dollar tickets for opening day, and I would reserve five for my family, and then the other five were my friends, and I would just tell them kind of like you know, hey, first come first serve, whoever wants to go can go, and we would go down to opening day. Everybody would take the day off work, or if you're my fr- my friend Jared, you'd quit your job to go to opening <laughs> day, and he did. He did that. He sent me a text. He goes. You still had that the last ticket for opening date? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I thought you couldn't get off work. He's like, no, I hate this job. I just asked my wife if I can quit it, and she said, yeah, that's fine. So I'm on my way down. I'm like, all right, <laughs> Good man. Good for him. What yeah. So he, so he quit his job to go to opening day, but and I think I did. We did that for like maybe three or four years in a row, and it was so much fun. And I think a lot of it changed in 2006 when they won that World Series, and it seemed like everybody who really didn't give a damn about baseball before then became huge Cardinals fans, and now. It's it's no longer really about baseball. Now it's all about, well, this is where I want to go and be seen. Yeah. And I, I just think it's kind of taken away from it. I went to, uh, I was at opening day in 1998, the day the McGuire hit four home runs. Okay, yeah. Um, and the stadium was not sold out. It was also kind of a crappy day. And My, those, as we talked about last time, the teams in the 90s were not very good. They were not. No. And I remember, too, going, I would go to opening night back in the 80s. And they, you know, it, it was... They still wheel in all the Cardinals in a Mustang or yeah, a pickup yeah. truck, and then uh, the Clydesdales would come out and they'd actually run around the outfield because it was astroturf, so they they were they weren't going to hurt the grass. But those games weren't sold out, um, and those were good teams back in the eighties too. Absolutely. But um, I'm trying to think of when it changed. I mean, th- and th- I think it was th- earlier than two thousand six. I want to say it was like two thousand two. You think so? When patios kind of opened and, and that, and it, it was cool to go hang out beforehand. Maybe I, that's what it is, yeah. but I to me it just seems like since two thousand six. Absolutely, since two thousand six. When they won the ones when yeah. they won the World Series in two thousand six, and now anybody who doesn't know anything about baseball became huge Cardinals fans, and now it's just a place to go and get like your Instagram picture to put up. I think up. you're going to see a lot of that drop off this year. You think so? Uh, after two years in a row. Two years in a row, and I don't and know. The, and the the way the fan base is angry this off season. Yeah, the team really hasn't done much. No. People are not happy. No, not at all. And I think you're going to find that that's going to be a much more tame environment again this but year. But I will tell you this: if that forecast is going to be, if the forecast is good. If it's sunny and 80 degrees, it's going to be packed. It, oh, they're going to sell. Oh, out. it'll sell oh, out. Absolutely. Then, then, then it'll sure. be packed. I'm talking about the outside activities. Oh, sure. Okay, but I mean, 
my complaints with opening day has got nothing to do with the organization. Right. The organization does opening day probably better than anybody else. That's true. In my opinion. They need it's to take... N- and, they, and, and they do. But it's been the same thing now for 15 straight years. You're right. It has been. The for, ex- it's been the exact same program. For me, honestly, I, I mean, I love opening day. But as I've gotten older... I think I think I kind of look at opening day as kind of like okay, it's one game out of you know a hundred. Sure, you know, and that's yeah. how I am too. Now. It's just like okay, yeah, it's one game. It's super exciting day. Like baseball's officially started. Like yeah, if I have tickets to go to a game, I'll go to the game or I'll watch the game. But it's like okay, they play again tomorrow, and like we have 160 well, of these left. Okay, the the last time I went to opening day, I want to say was 2010, and my ticket went from. Ten dollars to forty-five dollars. You're not buying ten. <laughs> no, I mean, it, like my sister got the tickets, and me and my friend Jared went, and we paid forty-five dollars a piece for those tickets. And it took forever to get downtown. Like coming from the west, when I was living in Franklin County, you just take forty-four till the Seventh Street exit, and then Seventh Street all the way down to the right, stadium. Right. And then, like to me, I would just find whatever parking spot I thought looked available. I'm like, I don't mind a long walk. Park the car and then walk. Park by the eat right. Walk a couple blocks. Exactly. And that's it's like, that's I think, fine. I think it's like ten dollars to park by the eat. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like all those lots, they were all full. Every single one of them was full. This is why I end up having to do. I end up going to the Weston, and then giving it to the valet and wow, telling him really and telling him to park my to to park my car. Now at the time, I was driving like this is like shortly after the financial collapse and I collapsed and I was driving this piece of shit nineteen ninety seven. Ford Windstar that my my, my parents nice. gave me, and it had this big dent on the side because someone uh, hit and ran my van when I was sleeping at night. Like they just hit it and they just took off. Were and you it had sleeping this, in the van? I was when, not sleeping uh, in the van. I was not that poor. I was not that bad. That bad off. You said financial crisis. I'm thinking right. Like, I mean, oh my God, are you homeless? Right. Yeah, Burger was actually homeless for opening day in 2000. No, I was not that bad. I'm living in a van. Down by the river. I've made bad financial decisions, but one of them was not sacrificing like rent money to go to opening day. <laughs> just had, so, just had to clarify. Anyway, I I, I pulled a uh, Axel Foley when I got to the West, and I hand my keys to the valet, and I said, "Now park us someplace nice." All this shit happened the last time I parked here. And <laughs> he looked at me. The valet looked at me. and He goes, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "I'm just no. I'm just messing with you, kid." No. Guy was probably it's worried like that for his all. job. All this at that happened point. last time well, I okay. was here. And, and look, it, it, this it, the kid, the valet. I mean, he has no idea what line what what line that movie's no, from. He's no. got no idea. And my friend Jared's older than me, and he's a, he's a big uh, uh, movie buff too. So he he heard me say that, and he just started busting up laughing because he knew I was pulling an Axel Foley. Jeez. And yeah, that poor kid. He's just funny. yeah, that poor kid was like, "Are you?" serious and i'm like no man i'm just messing with you i'm surprised he even let me park there to be honest with you yeah i mean is that still a thing can you do that do we probably just give a- you probably can what it cost you oh i knew you were gonna ask me that i don't remember i think it was it might have been 20 bucks that's yeah i mean, I mean if you're, yeah. as long as you're paying them i mean today's day and age i mean that's not even terrible oh now it's, i mean could you i, I can't imagine what uh, some of those parking lots are going to be charging this year ridiculous you know, even especially still, especially with that that phase two of uh, Ballpark Village going where the, going where that uh, parking lot is or was was. I mean, to your point earlier, I mean, it might even with all that going on downtown, it's only going to dampen the festivities outside the stadium. I mean, because I mean, I work downtown; and it's a nightmare just driving home at five yeah. five thirty. I can't imagine on a baseball game night; it's going to be a bloodbath. And so, I said, I mean, it was a pretty bad experience just overall. I didn't have as much fun as I used to. So I'm like, this may be the last opening day I'll I'll go to in a while, and I haven't been to an opening day since. Yeah, I, I might go this year. 
Um, just because, you know, my friends and I have been doing it for so long. But um, I don't know. Because I think last year we didn't even go. We just, hung, we just hung out at patios the whole time. Yeah. And a lot of people do that, too. They just go down there. and They'll just go to Ballpark Village or they'll go to patios or they'll go to uh, – uh, 360, yeah, and then just hang out there, which is fine. I mean, because like you, you go, like you guys said, it's you know, it's it's still actually like I said, it's still just the same program, and it is the first game of the season. It is. They're playing again tomorrow. They are. Yeah, and actually, I think I actually think I'm going to the game on Sunday for uh, a fundraiser deal. So, which is why I'm I'm stealing this kind of from Mike Claiborne. I cannot really get into baseball until like June. Flag day. Yeah. yeah. He says flag day. I say I really can't get until to, until the NBA finals are over. Once the NBA finals are over, baseball, I'm all yours. Yeah. And then I get excited if when the Cardinals get about 10 games over 500. Well, I think we all get excited. So if they start out 10-0, and 0, you're going to be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. World Series, here we go? No, no, no. Not World Series. I'll just, I'll be way you, more you, interested. Okay, sure. Yeah. I'll be way more interested. Is there like a switch between game nine and game 10? We're just like, all right, time to turn no, it on. No, I'll just, I'll check the standings one day. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, look, they're 10 games over 500. I guess I'm going to start reading more about <laughs> I reading, thought you were more, more complex Cole. than that Andy Hans one. Tara Wellman, writer for Birds and the Black. She's going to be joining us right after this short little stinger. <laughs> You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Joining us on the phone right now is a writer for the Birds on the Black uh, fan blog. You can follow her on Twitter at Tara Wellman. Tara Wellman, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good. Just before we had you on, we were talking about opening day and our feelings towards it. Uh, Andy and I and, and Clay, I think we all kind of feel the same way. We used to love it, and we're not sure what it is exactly, but we don't seem to enjoy it as much as we used to. How do you feel about opening day? You know, as a fan that's fairly significantly removed from St. Louis itself, um, I think there may be a little bit of a different perspective for me. Um, I've never really been, first of all, I've never been to opening day. Um, so there's a, a distance factor there that all I uh, really know is just from watching from a distance. Um, but I think that the the excitement surrounding opening day oftentimes has a lot to do with the excitement about the season itself. And uh, in the last couple of years, the excitement factor about the team that St. Louis has put on the field has dwindled a little bit in comparison to some of the, the great teams of the 2000s. And, um, you know, there isn't the, the big Albert Pujols-type name. There isn't necessarily the big off-season acquisition that has everyone excited. Um, so then what you're left with is really the, the legend of St. Louis baseball and the, the Hall of Famers, which is always going to be cool to me. Um, but I think they're maybe missing a little bit of the connection to the current legacy of St. Louis Cardinals baseball that makes it a little bit more special. And I think what a lot of people are maybe taking into consideration, too, is that the further you get away from some of those great Cardinals teams of you know the, the 60s and even the 80s, a lot of these kids now, they don't care. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they really... It's not that we don't care. It's just a different generation of like... Uh, okay, I mean, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that... Throwing us all under the bus right now. Well, okay, I mean, but I mean, Clay, I'll be honest. Clay, I have no idea how old you really are. How old are you? I am 28 years old. Okay, I don't really consider you a kid. I mean, people who are like 25 or younger, they don't care. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they, I'm just being honest. They don't. I, I heard this this hysterical story 
on Levitar's radio show about Luis Castillo and how he was like this great base dealer for the Marlins. And he like didn't know anything about baseball history, like the older players. And they were in St. Louis and they were talking to him about Lou Brock and, and you know, the legend of Lou Brock and how he was his legendary base dealer and had the record until Ricky Henderson broke it and on and on and on. And he had no idea who Lou Brock was. Well, later on that day, he's introduced to a Cardinal legend and he goes, Oh, Lou Brock. And it was damn usual. Oh, well, that's wrong for <laughs> so so I mean, many different reasons. I don't know if that's generational as much as that's just. Well, no, I mean that that that's more cultural than it is anything else. But I think that's kind of an example of that. You know, you're you're trying to get what's the one thing that you always hear about baseball? The biggest complaint is that they don't have a young audience. They don't. They don't have a young audience. So it's kind of hard to get to capture this young audience when you're talking about players in the 60s and the 80s that they don't give a damn about. Well, Rob, uh, if Rob Manfred had any say in it, it would be junior high kids filling the seats at the, at the baseball games, which, in his opinion, should be like an hour and 15 minutes tops. I mean, you, you can't do that to baseball. Oh, you can't, but he's going to sure as hell try. He's, he's going to try... To me, the, the complaint about baseball is not that because the games are too long. It's just that, to me, especially with the Cardinals, I mean, it, 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 Tara, you were kind of talking about this when we brought you on. Right now, I don't think they're compelling. Yeah. Well, I think that makes a huge difference no matter what the sport is that you're looking at. Um, you know, in a completely different way, you look at, uh, you look at soccer in the United States. Um, what's popular is when the U.S. is good at soccer internationally. And all of a sudden, around World Cup time, you'll see people magically become soccer fans because the competition factor is there. So it's not that, I mean, a lot of people who are hardcore fans uh, like to rip on bandwagoners, but that's a real thing. And that provides a level of excitement. Look, I live in Cubs country. (laughs) You want to talk about um, instant excitement about a team. When they're competitive and when they're good, people suddenly care. So I think that's part of the knock on maybe the, the approach of the Cardinals front office in the last couple of years. Um, and really, if you want to go beyond the last couple of years, you go to the last decade and you'll see some really successful teams that didn't necessarily sustain that success the way that everyone hoped they would. Um, and we're at the point now where the success of 2011 and even returning to the World Series in 2013 isn't really exciting anymore. Um, not when you're putting out a product on the field that that can't really recreate that magic. Are you saying that Cardinals fans are spoiled, Tara Wellman? I might be alluding to that fact. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tara Jake Arrieta signs a contract, three years, seventy-five million dollars. Lance Lynn signs a contract with the Twins, one year, twelve million dollars. These guys are available for less years and less money than what was originally reported. Where do you think the Cardinals need to do with the, with their starting lineup? Um, and, and do you see any, uh, and do you think anybody that's out there still um, is on Moe's radar? Well, if you follow me on Twitter uh, at all, you'll know I don't. that my answer to this question <laughs> has, all, well, that's fine. I'm going to tell you anyway. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> my answer to this question all off season has been Chris Archer. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I love some of the pieces that the Cardinals have, uh, but without a major acquisition to boost the middle of the lineup, don't get me wrong, Ozuna's great. I think he's a, a great piece. I don't know that he's a dynamic organization-changing piece. He's, he's not a difference um, maker. 
I think no, he's going to make and, a difference, think, but it's the it's the amount of difference. Yeah, he's a good player, but he's he, an all-star. Oh, yeah, I think yeah. he's a great player, but yeah. you're not suddenly going to be, you know, World Series title contenders just by adding him. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And you don't, you don't change the face of the organization by adding Marcelo Zuna. You add something to your lineup, and I think he's a great addition. I think he's going to fit in well and, and be a significant piece um, but I agree. I don't think he alone is a difference maker. And as great as some of the guys in the rotation have the potential to be, there's so many question marks there. And I feel like um, I feel like the Cardinals are a, a solid one-two punch in the rotation away from really contending with some of the better teams in the NL, um, especially when you don't upgrade the offense as significantly as, as a lot of people would have liked. So um, – <laughs> I will continue to say that the Cardinals should have and should still trade for Chris Archer. Um, but as far as guys that are still out there, this has been such a weird off season where, I mean, you're looking at a Lance Lynn contract where he's getting less than the qualifying offer yeah, that yeah. he turns down from the Cardinals. It's just bizarre the way things have, have fallen into place. And some of the guys that are still waiting for those things to fall into place. So it's a little bit hard, I think, from the outside looking in at that to judge um, what what deal Mo should be making? Other than to say, I, I think that I still think they're at least one piece away in the, the pitching side of things before I would feel really confident in their ability to compete uh, in the National League. Uncertainty aside, with the Cardinals lineup, one thing that's kind of remained consistent, especially with the evolution of you know social media over the years, has been the Cardinals blogging community. And Berger, you and I were talking about it before we brought Tara on about how much the blogging community has grown over the last couple of years. Very um, much so. Tara, you're obviously a part of the blogging community. You can find you know her work at birdsontheblack.com. Um, talk to us a little bit about your experience and seeing how much the blogging community has grown and how the what specifically the Cardinals are kind of uh, doing to really support that uh, support that movement. You know, it's been uh, an interesting process, I guess, as far as the Cardinals adapting to so many uh, fan-based blogs and, and websites covering their team. Um, and I guess because I, I focus primarily on how that has worked for the Cardinals, uh, I, I, don't, I wasn't really that aware of how unique it is to other fan bases. Um, I'm actually working on a project this season that will involve collaborating with bloggers and podcasters and writers uh, about other teams. And it's been a challenge finding um, finding people that are as invested as it seems like a lot of Cardinals bloggers are. Um, so in in that realm, I think it's really interesting and really unique to have a fan base that's so committed that they spend hours and hours and hours of their time every week covering this team. And that's a really unique it's a really unique characteristic, I think, of the the, the culture that uh, is Cardinals fandom in 2018. Um, but as far as being a part of it and, and the Cardinals as an organization responding to that, it's been really cool. I mean, they've been very, uh, very welcoming to a lot of us to even extending an invitation to Many of us to come out to the ballpark, they host us every year, and uh, we get a Q&A with John Mozeliak, and um, it, it's, it's a really different experience than I think a lot of people um, would expect for 
sort of a stereotype of sports bloggers. And it's become a lot more than that. It's become a part of how Cardinal fans get information about their team. And the Cardinals as an organization have really embraced that. Tara Wellman from the Birds on the Black uh, fan blog joining us right now on the phone. You can follow her on Twitter at Tara Wellman. However, do not follow her in real life. Do not follow you in real life. Do not follow her in real life. (laughs) Andy Hanselman, I'm looking at you. Yes, Andy Hanselman. I'm sorry. I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tara, why do you think the Cardinals had such a lackluster offseason and really trying to improve the team? Do you think it was just a reluctance to spend the money? Was it a reluctance to, uh, to give up prospects that they think can still be the building blocks of this team? Or do you think that they're just still going to play the waiting game and, and put all their eggs in one basket in 2019 and try to make a run at a Manny Machado or a Bryce Harper? You know, I've long been of the opinion that John Mozeliak has a bit of a hoarding problem. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that valuing prospects is great. I think that valuing prospects differently than the rest of the league values your prospects is a problem. Um, and I've, I've said for several years now that I think whatever the metrics are that John Mozeliak and company use to determine any player's value, whether it's their own prospects or those that they're in pursuit of, seems wildly different than the, the metrics used by the rest of, uh, the rest of baseball. Um, and I think some of that is reflected in his tendency to not, quote, overpay, whatever, whatever that means to him, which seems to be different than what that means to just about everyone else. Um, The Cardinals have a ton of prospects, particularly in the outfield right now, and that's great. But prospects in the minor leagues don't win rings. No, (laughs) they don't. Um, Not at the major league level. So it's great to have them, but if they're not really serving a purpose for the major league club, the the value thing gets a little a little muddy for me. And, and Clay, you and I we talked about this last week. And Tara, I want to get your opinion on this. Name me one Cardinal prospect that we dealt away that when you see play, you're like, damn, I wish we never would have traded him. Yeah, you know, I was actually uh, I was trying to think. I was listening to that uh, episode last week. And oh, I thank was you. Thinking, man, we have one listener well, you know. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> we know we got one <laughs> listener. <Woo>! Yes. <laughs> It is Karen Wellman. If there is anyone, at least recently, that stands out, and it's hard to pick one. I mean, in a lot of instances, there are people who have been like, no, I can't believe you traded blank. And then five years later, you're thinking, okay, well, that never really worked out anyway. Um, so you're absolutely right to make the point that the prospects the Cardinals have traded um, haven't really hurt them in the long run as far as them developing into a player of, of note somewhere else, which is is one end of this problem, I think, for John Mazalek. The other side of it is often it seems he waits almost too long to trade a prospect um, and their value then has decreased because they've been stuck in Memphis for the last three seasons with no room to, to move up. Um, I, I, a lot of people are probably going to be mad at me for saying this, but I worry about that with Carson Kelly. Um, mm, yeah. If he's not going to get playing time at the major league level and there are guys like Kinsner coming up behind him that are impressive in just about every way, 
I wonder if he should have been traded this offseason um, in an attempt to bring in one of those missing pieces for the Cardinals before his value sort of diminishes because he's playing as a, a bench player, not as a starter in the major leagues. And that's I, I worry about that in the way John Mozeliak has gone about holding on to these guys maybe a season too long a couple of times in the past and uh, maybe missing out on their max value. Do you think that John Mozeliak would rather, you know, hold on to a bunch of good cards as opposed to just one or two? Or is it really just he's the smartest man in the room and he knows how, how long to wait? <laughs> or is it a simple um, fear of missing out? Yeah, that too. Yeah, you know, I think there's a legitimate long-term perspective for John Mozeliak in thinking about how this organization was able to develop guys like Daniel Descalso and, um, you know, sort of that group that came up with him that then turned into a World Series championship team. Um, but I think the missing piece in that conversation as far as developing homegrown talent is that a lot of things just went really, really right for them that season that yeah. didn't have a whole and, lot and, to do and I, and, with I, the personnel. And I want to go back to what you just said. Think about what you just said. The 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 the, the grooming of the homegrown talent of Daniel Descalso. Right now, what right. team is Daniel Descalso playing for? I couldn't even tell you. Is, is he on Arizona? Maybe I think it's the last is one I remember him playing for. I'm going to go to my default San answer. Arizona. San Diego Padres. <laughs> is, is it Arizona, Tara? But I think that I think that makes the point, really, that the homegrown talent is great, but the homegrown talent, with an exception of a guy like Pujols or Yadier Molina, those guys don't come along very often, okay. and sure. the Cardinals don't typically draft In uh, high enough to get those guys and on it, a regular basis. Well, And here's another thing, too. Last time I checked, when Yadier Molina was being drafted and groomed and when Albert Pujols was drafted and groomed, John Mozeliak wasn't there, and neither was Mike yeah. Matheny. So, I mean, like, yep. they're looking at the accomplishments that the previous regime has done. I mean, like, well, you know, shit, we can do that. Yeah. And so far, they right. really haven't, which I don't understand why they were no, so reluctant I, 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 to trade some of these prospects to I've get been bigger players. I've been on an island saying that, uh, I've felt. So it's nice, <laughs> nice to have someone else um, say the same kinds of things. But I, I think that John Mazalek is a very smart man. I think that he has been able to pull off some really fascinating moves over the last several seasons. Um, but I don't know that they've really made this team better in the long run because he held on to those young young prospects. I mean, even if you look at some of those guys that were supposed to be the core of this team, you're looking at guys like Stephen Piscotty and Randall Gritchick. Where are they? Yeah, <laughs> They're not playing for the Cardinals. So that young talent that he's been so desperate to hold on to rather than flipping it, using it as currency if he doesn't want to spend the money in free agency, it, it hasn't really done what I think everyone has hoped that it would do, including John Mazalak, except to generate more young talent that's at the minor league level, not winning rings in St. Louis. So who <laughs> who would you say is the core then? If, if it's no longer Steven Biscotti, it's no longer Randall Gritchick, is the core now who? Marcelo Zuna and Tom, Colton Wong and DeYoung and Tommy Pham? Is that the core now? You know, there's been so much turnover in what the core is. I think ideally you would say Matt Carpenter is a part of that, but for how long, right? I mean, two years ago, yes, Matt Carpenter was a huge piece of the core of this team. Um, if he's a shell of who he was two years ago, I don't think we can say that anymore. I think it's hard to make Tommy Pham 
part of the core of this team when they weren't willing to give him a two-year contract. That's true. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the buy-in doesn't really seem to be there. Whether it's reasonable or not, I think you can make that argument either way. Um, and while I would like to say it's Colton Wong and, and Paul DeYoung, the, the support behind particularly Colton Wong has been pretty wishy-washy too. So yes, yes. as much as they've tried to build this young core, um, I don't. I don't know that they really have that established yet. It's not like they've been able to keep these pieces together and and let them win as a unit, like they did with again that 2011 team that everyone goes back to to talk about the homegrown talent. But it, it, I don't think that's the reason they won in 2011. I guess is the point I'm making. So this this whole we're going to build the core from within is a really great plan in theory. Um, but you have to be committed to that. You have to, and I, I, I listen, I'm, <laughs> I've been team Colton Wong since day one and I will fight to the death on that. <laughs> I'm with you but on that one. I'm ready I, to die on that hill too. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, but I, I don't think the commitment has really been there to Colton Wong as a core piece of this team. So there's conflicting messages, right? When you sign into a long-term contract because you wanted to be a core of this team going forward, then that very next season, you basically say, eh, we're not really sure you fit in to the future of this team. And that seems to be a reoccurring theme to some extent with these young pieces that they've brought up, held on to, to try to turn into the next great generation of Cardinals players. I'm not sure it's quite worked out in, in the way that they all had hoped. It all goes back to that line in A Fish Called Wanda. Just because you read philosophy doesn't mean you understand it. Uh, Tara Wellman from the Birds <laughs> on the Black, we appreciate your time uh, today, ma'am, and we look forward to having you on again soon. This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Thanks Tara. Tara. That is Tara Wellman. You can follow her on Twitter at Tara Wellman. Uh, I think she kind of agrees with the three of us, where she doesn't exactly seem like she's really excited to see this 2018 <laughs> Uh, Cardinals team, and I can't say I blame her. Uh, Tim McKernan, he had a, a poll, I think it was either on Twitter or on the fan pin on Facebook, you know, like what player would make you excited about this coming season? This is before they did the Ozuna trade. And I said the only player that would really make me excited was Manny Machado. I wanted Manny Machado more than I wanted Giancarlo Stanton. But, I mean, like right now, who was there really to get excited about? It's it's hard to have opti- – I mean, in one hand, it – it's hard to have optimism because they haven't added that big all-star type player. Um, but then you just have that fan base and Tara kind of alluded to it too, where it's like, we've seen it done before. And it's just like, you hold on every year for hope. Like, yeah, we're going to do it again with our hope own. trafficking again. Yeah. Hope trafficking again. So you have the hope traffic crowd and you have the crowd that's, you know, wishing that we sign all-star players. You can crap in one hand and wish in the other. And I'll tell you which fills it up first. But see, like the thing I don't like is that, you really think the Cardinals are going to win a bidding war next year? No, absolutely to get Ma- not. To get Manny Machado or Bryce Harper? No, 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 no. Neither one? No. So everything that you did this year in anticipation of next year has all been done in vain. 100%. And they're going to – I'm making a prediction now. Carson Kelly is eventually going to earn a lot of playing time this year, and he's going to get a 19-year contract <laughs> extension next year. Oh, wow. Year. A 19-year that's, 19 that's a, that's a very That's a very hockey contract. And it's gonna be, I mean, hockey does that. It's going to be for $23 million he's going to be making. 19 years for $23 million. A year or, to, or $23 million put it the, on Put it on the books. Right? There no, you go. 23 Listen million to this totally. coincidence. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yadier Molina born – born July 13th, Carson Kelly born 
July 14th. Oh, listen to that. I mean... It's the day after tomorrow. It's the day after tomorrow. It's the end of the freaking world. It's the end of the freaking world, man. <laughs> I'm excited about Marcelo Zuno. To see I, what mean, he could, I, I mean, I really am. I would say I'm more curious than I am excited. Like, will I watch? Sure, because I want to see he how was, he does. I want to see how Dexter Fowler is going to do, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the, the team has players that are easy to root for. There's no question about that. They have rootable players, rootable and likable players. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that, I mean, when you see other teams in your division get better and you see other teams in the league get better, and then all you hear is John Mozeliak with, you know, the bow tie and the needle nose and the monotone voice saying, well, you know, I thought we put a team that was going to, you know, be very competitive and, and is going to be right there in it. Well, I mean, we're not the Brewers, dude. We're not the Pirates. We're not the Reds. I think it's going to be a really big indicate. I mean, it'll push will come to shove, I think, kind of at the end of this year. It's really like... If this year is like the last two years, I, I think John Mozeliak and Mike Matheny are both gone. That's a that's a bold statement. I think I think I, they're both gone. I, I, think, I don't think Mo is. I don't. Think oh, Mo, I think he is. I don't think Mo is as much as Matheny might be. But you really will have a like a black and white situation to where you have teams like the Cubs and the Brewers who really went out and and spent more more noticeably the Brewers who went out and spent you know in the off season acquired you know big names acquired as much talent as they could. And then you have an organization like the Cardinals who's just trying to do it you know the homegrown way. So we'll see who ends up on top at the end of the season. Back to you, Steve. <laughs> hey, That's so the, the so I mean this is the this is the, the outfield of the forty man roster for your St. Louis Cardinals: Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler, Oscar Merc- is it Mercado? Mercado. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill, who is not on the active roster. I think he's powerlifting right now. Yeah, I th- he 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 he's way too muscular. Yeah. To be a baseball player, seriously, like baseball, the days of you looking like King Caminiti at Pink Ancavilia, where you were, you know, like you know, you're dripping HGH on your way out to the field. You don't need that anymore to be a baseball player. You only get hurt, and I think Tyler O'Neill is going to be like that. According I mean, to this, he's ripped. According to this, the <laughs> women may love it, but it's not very effective for a baseball he's, player. He's the same size as Tommy Pham. Oh please, I don't buy that for two seconds. Then it's Marcelo Zuna, then Tommy Pham. I want to see the two of them in an arm wrestling competition. Because Who? Uh, O'Neill and Tommy Pham. Because oh, O'Neill's th- going to win that. I think O'Neill has is the favorite, but I think Tommy Pham does the psych job and just gets in his face <laughs> with the eyes. Even, and are you even jacked, bro? I yeah. mean, like, Tom, like they're all in, in shape guys, and yeah. if you see them in person, they're probably going to be a lot bigger than what they look like on TV. What I, I saw that picture of Tyler O'Neill. I'm like, this is a 45 game <laughs> suspension waiting to happen. <laughs> what I like about this, well, right, exactly. There's that too. What I like about this is that you have an everyday starting outfield. Of Fowler, Ozuna, and Fam, I'm fine with that. There's, I, there's I am, never, I'm fine there's, with that. there's never a question about it. I just think that the infield is where they could have really improved. Definitely, you know, like I the the contract that Eric Hosmer got with San Diego was I ridiculous. I liked Eric Hosmer. I didn't like him that much. No, but I but I wanted them to make a run at Eric Hosmer. I mean, she she brought up Matt Carpenter. I'm not a huge fan of Matt Carpenter. I think he's I'm not. I think he's done. I, I think he's done. I think he's a little bit of a diva too that a lot of people don't know about. I have nothing to base that on other than just a gut feeling. And the fact I that can he can only bat first. Yeah, the fact that he can only bat lead off and he's not very good in the field. He belongs in the American League where he can be a DH. So here's your. So I, this is this is what I would have done. I would have gone after Eric Hosmer, and I probably would have gone after uh, Manny Machado too. I would have made the trade to get Manny Machado, and then whatever, like, provided you're still holding on to Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung and um, and and Jed Jerko. Out of those three, you decide on who's going to be your infielder. The, the rest so of the infield. Who excites, who excites you out of this group then? So we are to Carpenter does not. DeJong or DeYoung? 
I think more, more curious. Like yeah, I said, more curious. curious. Greg Garcia? No. no Judd Jerko? No, no, not really. Jose Martinez? Curious. Yeah. Yeah. The thing curious. I just, it, he, he's really almost I really rooted the, for him last it's year. It's like almost like a Tommy Pham route where he's came on like yeah. kind of late in his minor league Isn't, career. And it's it'll be interesting to see if he can sustain because he can hit. He can flat he out can, hit. He can rake. Can flat You're out right hit. about that. He'll be 30 this year. So yeah, it's, I mean that's that's it's a Tommy it's a Fam deal. it's a fa- Tommy Fam timeline. Uh, number sixty two in your program for one of your hearts, Yaro Munoz. Yeah. I tell you what, I man, a guy that can play center field and shortstop. That's pretty impressive. It's impre- he's making a lot of. I'm not saying he's going to make the opening day roster. I think for what they gave, I mean, they did not expect this kind of return out of him. Whenever they got him, you know, as kind of like a minor league. Well, throw okay, in. but you, you know what the what the what the, like the cardinal rule is though, not cardinal, but like the main rule is never fall in love in April or October. I'm not in love. I don't fall in love with cardinal baseball players. Uh, Edmundo Sosa. No, I love the name. Love, I like the name too. Love the name. great name. I like this guy's name too. I think it's Brechovic Valera. B R E Y V I C. Yeah, no, none just, of these none of these players are really that. Honestly, though, like those two guys, they could be better than Greg Garcia. Greg Garcia might be the most. Just I don't know why he's, he's your Pete Cosma. I just he, like why is this player I, still I on the team? I don't understand. He's like he's good for like an inning or two, and it's like how? What happened? What happened? Yeah, to, who and are you? He'll he'll have like one really good game. And then Matheny's like, oh, I'm going to ride this hot hand. And the then, Bo Hart? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll start him like the next three games where he's terrible. Right. And yeah. Gre- yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Bo Hart is, it means that Bo Hart is still a household name in South St. Louis. Oh, of course he is. Scrappy. No, nobody, nobody falls more in love with the scrappy white guys than the B-Fib. <laughs> I mean, they, they, people, okay, this is, this is how crazy the B-Fib is. The B-Fib wants to get rid of Mike Matheny, which isn't crazy, and replace him with Stubby Clap, which is crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's scrappy white guys. It's they, cr- they love like the, 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 the thing I love the most about St. Louis sports fans, if you either are from St. Louis or you went to Mizzou or SLU and you're someplace else, all we got and you're not you're struggling, all we gotta do is we just gotta bring you home, baby. We're right. gonna bring you home and, and, <laughs> and just shove T Rabs down your throat and craft dig, and we're gonna show you Southampton, and then everything that you had going bad is just gonna turn right like turn right around. Like everybody who wanted Chase Daniel to be the quarterback for the Rams, I'm like, what on earth for? Because he went to Mizzou? Yeah. That's why you want him? Exactly. That's Shout out completely to completely irrational today. Chase Daniel. New Bears. Chase Daniel. Chicago New Bear. Chicago is is he Chicago Bear? Two year Chicago deal. Bear. Yeah. Two a two year two deal year for Chase. And how much Every, money is he getting? He's probably. I want to know his net worth and how much he's made um, for okay, literally like, playing like nine nothing. seconds. Nothing. And as much as everybody talks about how Sam Bradford's out here robbing people, Chase Daniels driving the getaway car. Yeah, and his, I mean his best over shot, under over under net worth for Chase Daniel for Chase Daniel total total fifty million. Oh, okay. We're gonna set it at fifty million. Uh, wait, is the, is the over or under? For, like, what are we setting it at? Okay, no, no, no just you know, without let's without look, going over. Okay. Let, let, let's set it at fifty million. Fifty million. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take the over on fifty. Million. I'll take the over as well. Only worth six million. He's only worth no, six no, million. No, no, There's no, no, no. no way. That's his net. I'm talking about career earnings. I should have phrased oh, it better. Okay. Not net worth. Chase Daniel. I don't know what career. he did with that other forty-four million. But my <laughs> God. Hookers and cocaine. He's, <laughs> he's been hanging out with Giamatti. Hell of a life. But uh, it, it just cracks me up how St. Louis sports fans are like that. No, I completely agree. And. It, I would, I do want to go on record that saying having a manager with the first name of Stubby. Holy, holy shit. Hanselman's got a hot, hot lead. 
Chase Daniels signed a two-year, $10 million contract with the Bears, including $7 million in guaranteed money. That's crazy for a backup quarterback. It's good for him. I hope he gets, I hope he gets a couple starts. I mean, look, look at that. Look at the, well, I mean, look, he's making all the money and not getting hit. But what is it, what's the total earnings? We need I'm looking. To, I'm oh, looking. We need to find the I'm total looking, earnings. I'm finding. But I, you, you said it, Berger. There's, I mean, best fans of baseball, I really have always kind of hated that that moniker, that name that's kind of given out. But I see the merit to it because you go outside of St. Louis and objectively look at the St. Louis fan base and it's like, who the hell are you people? Oh, I get, I mean, if you have friends <laughs> oh. that live, you if you have friends that live in another city, hate them, hate us. They hate can't us. stand us. $23 yeah. million dollars career earnings. Oh, so so we're, so we're under we're career eight career APY way four, over four point five million dollars. So he actually got like the is this the biggest deal that he's landed? Um, Play for Chicago. <laughs> this is like third third or fourth team now because he had the best job backing up Drew Brees in New Orleans. I mean that was just guaranteed. Like it is the best. He did get five million dollars in twenty sixteen for um. Uh, with the Eagles. Well, let's let's stick here with uh, let's let's uh, transition awkwardly awkwardly to uh, Awkward. NFL free agency. NFL free agency. Um, <laughs> you know, I can throw a stinger in there. Stinger. We'll, 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 yeah, <laughs> throw a stinger in there. Bzz, 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 watch out for that. Be um, Kirk Cousins wild makes a right decision in my opinion and goes to oh. Minnesota. There we go. <laughs> There's a stinger. No, Kirk I mean, Cousins makes a right decision and goes to Minnesota where. They have a great chance of going to the Super Bowl next year. They have a lot of talent. I tell you what, I'm salivating over that cousin Stephon Diggs connection next year, fantasy wise. I mean, and I'm they looking have for deep balls, post patterns, fly routes, you, go routes. You have to like what they have on defense. You have yeah. to like the pieces they have on offense. Yeah. You know, they made it to the NFC title game last year with Case Keenum as their quarterback. And not that Kirk Cousins is that much better, but I think Kirk Cousins is a little bit better than what Case Keenum is. Kirk, Kirk Cousins is exponentially better than Case Keenum. So Case Keenum goes to Denver, which isn't a bad landing spot for him either. No. no. Because they're just kind of like competent quarterback play away from being pretty good. Yeah. They still have the pretty good defense. They yeah. still have weapons on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's it's a good move for Case Keenum. Oh, yeah. And then Sam Bradford is now in Arizona. Love it. He's going to be their starting quarterback there. The funny thing, it's it's so weird to say this about Sam Bradford. I still think the jury is still kind of out on him. It's it's hard because he's never healthy. It's hard to judge a guy who spent seventy percent of his career on his back or on the stretcher heading to an ambulance. We talking about? Are we talking about Stormy again? (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, I, I, I'm one of those few people that think that the jury is still out on Sam Bradford. It's it's crazy to think about for someone who's been in the league for a decade now. And he just has games where when he's completely healthy that you're like, this is why the Rams drafted when him. When he's completely healthy and he's got receivers he can throw to, yeah. you're like, wow, this is a re-, like he won a Heisman. There's a reason right. why he was this good. Yeah. Um, is it just bad luck or is he just uh, like running into the wrong people? <laughs> like. <laughs> I think a lot of it is, I mean, to me, injuries are always a combination of bad luck, and a lot of it is just kind of like your uh, your physical makeup. I mean, there's just some people who can go out there and take a, take a pounding and take a pounding and never get injured, and some people, they get hurt running out of the dugout like J.D. Drew. That's true. But, I mean, you see someone, look, look at someone like LeBron in the NBA. When's the last time LeBron has been out for a significant amount of time? Well, LeBron's also like a Greek god in terms of physical stats. So I'm saying a lot of that is <laughs> genetics, though, too. Like, even in the NBA, that's rare to Very see rare. someone. I mean, like, he'll make, he'll make some or he'll miss a, like a game or two, but he's never out for like, you know, a month 
or anything like that. And he's to the there's a lot of uh, a lot of miles on the NBA body. Yeah, well, and his teammate Kevin Love, who seems to be out every nine games for yeah. some undisclosed injury. I don't know. Well, Kevin Love, I mean, he's not a, he's never been known for being uh, for being durable. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on: Tiger at the Valspar. Oh. I had no idea what the Valspar tournament was, but Tiger Woods made me care about it. That forty foot putt on the seventeen was a thing of beauty. I golf needs to come back, or Tiger Woods needs to come back. No, 100%. Uh, and what he does for the game in terms of from a professional level, from uh, a youth level, there was a report out that golf course sales were up yes. over the weekend because Tiger, I mean, there's no direct correlation, but you have to think Tiger being back in golf excites fans, excites young fans. They want to get out there and they want to be the next Tiger. Chris Rizzavi, who is now the morning man on 100.7 The Viper. Did you get that from Jason Barrett? The Viper. <laughs> But he was a colleague of mine at Talk STL, and when we were on at 1380, he used to work at a golf course, and he was like, yeah, you could tell when Tiger wasn't playing that the attendance on the golf course suffered. And that it's as simple as that. Tiger Woods, when he's playing, people are watching and people are wanting to play golf. It's amazing what the Tiger effect is. Overnight ratings for the Valspar for the final round of the Valspar, 5.1, up 190% from the, from the year previous. Okay, I know that's what I watched. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Sunday, Sunday afternoon, the NBA game was a dud. It was San Antonio and, and Minnesota, and Minnesota with, with Jimmy Butler gone are not very compelling. So I didn't watch the NBA game. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put on the Valspar. I'm going to watch Tiger and see if he can run this down and, and see if he can win this thing. And he he came within one stroke. I just want a Tiger fist pump so badly Me too. in my life. I Me just too. want to see it. And here's what the weird thing is, is that when Tiger was good, I didn't hate the guy, but no. I, wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of his either. But now for some reason, I've become a big fan of his. I don't know if it's because this is America and everybody loves the comeback story. Mm-hmm. Or it's just that I know that he's going to make golf relevant again. Not that it wasn't before, but I think it's going to be cool to go out there and see him, you know, re- regain his glory. I just think it'll be awesome to see. I mean, it would be the ultimate form of a comeback story, like times a thousand. And what Tiger does, and I said it before, what Tiger does for the game is it transcends what sports is. You don't have to be a sports fan to truly appreciate, you know, greatness. You look at why so many people hate LeBron. It's because, well, he's just really damn good. Like, he doesn't really do anything. You're like, God, that guy's just a jackass. And Tiger's the same way. I mean, LeBron was the next Tiger. It was just like, this guy is so good and so unstoppable that you just have to hate him. There are a lot of things that LeBron does that really bother me. Like, I think sometimes he cries too much, a a little too much on the court, but... There are times when you'll see him make a player like "son of a bitch, are you great?" Some of these no look passes. The last I mean, that said, said that no look pass he had against the Lakers, where he was looking in the backcourt and everybody was looking where he was looking, and he just with one hand, with one hand, one hand. I mean, are you freaking kidding me? And you, you, you love to see that, but at the same time, you hate him because you're just like, "Why am I not LeBron right now?" Yeah. <laughs> if you're interested, the Actually, the, the next couple of weeks of golf are really, really good. So uh, the uh, this coming weekend is the Arnold, the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. I think they call that one the Blue Monster. Okay, if I'm not mistaken. Hang on. Oh no, that's that's Doral. That's what I'm, and then, I'm and then the Masters are right around the corner too. Say. Well, but before that, then you have the World Golf Championships. Dell uh, the match play down in Austin, and then you have a couple of uh, and then a, a thing in Houston, and then you have the Masters. I'll be on the lookout for the Masters. Tiger, well, of course. I mean, Tiger every, puts that green jacket on. We're going full golf pod, podcast. Well, I mean, yes. <laughs> I mean, you saw it last year with Sergio. 
I mean, it was. I'm not. See, that's a. There's a difference between Tiger Woods. And I'm not Sergio, a. I'm not a Sergio, Sergio fan. I think really is just an asshole. I get. Yes. I genuinely. He just finally, don't I'm, like I'm, that I'm, guy. I'm not a Sergio fan either. But I mean, I when I was on 590, I remember having uh, Jay Randall Jr. on. <laughs> a tradition. Just a national golf club. <laughs> a tradition unlike any other. Unlike. Hello, any friends. Oh Jim God! Nance, don't give me psychopath. Yeah, I can't stand Jim Nance. <laughs> what is uh, wrong with you guys? You don't I, like Jim Nance? You don't like Sergio? I, what Jim, a great story. Started 39 major championships before he won his first one. Oh, Sergio? Absolutely. Great story. Uh, Jay, yeah, because it was Jay so, Reynolds Jr. Was, and I were talking about, like, we, were, we found ourselves che- at the end cheering for Sergio, and it was weird. Because he was so effed in the head when he was up against Tiger in the early 2000s. So effed in the head. See, I, I lately I found and myself. And an asshole. <laughs> that too. I found myself lately cheering for Ricky Fowler. When Ricky Fowler's playing, I'm cheering for Ricky Fowler. There's just something about Ricky Fowler I like. I, Ricky's I, I, neat. I like his attitude, I like the way that he approaches the game. And if you're going out with Owls and Stocky, come on. I'm going to be a fan of yours. Way to go, Ricky Fowler. So, I mean, golf, well golf, done, that, sir. Is it well go- done. Golf clap. Yes. Golf clap for after, golf. So after the Masters, Ricky, Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, and there's a fourth guy. They go on spring break. It's Ricky Fowler. That, did I say Ricky? I thought I, I said Ricky. So Jordan, Justin Thomas. Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler. Is it Dustin Johnson? No, it's not him. Anyway, there's four guys that go on spring break, yeah, and they document the whole thing on Instagram. Yeah, they're buddies. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. And it's awesome, and I love how they pull for each other. Yeah, they yeah. do. Absolutely, they do. Like, Ricky was out there for Justin Thomas's win a couple of weeks ago, at uh, but right before they went down to Mexico. I forgot where they were playing. Oh, it was, it was the Honda Classic. Yes. Yep. At PGA National. Yep. And there's Ricky standing right there by the green. Waiting to, waiting to congratulate his buddy. That's awesome. I don't think Jack, Nichol, uh, Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer were like that. No, they weren't. And also, you remember, you know, Nicholas won the Masters in 1986. He was 46 years old. If you go back and watch some of the broadcast, they were pretending like he was 89. <laughs> well, probably because he looked like he was 89. Well, I mean, just guys who are 46 years old didn't win major championships. No. Yeah. You have Tiger back in the mix. And don't forget, too. Phil won. That's true. Phil just won down at that that uh, world that WGC event down in Mexico. That's true. That's a huge field. That was an ex- extremely stacked field. And that, that was his first tournament win since what 2013? 20, 2013. Yeah, his first win in five since years. Since he won the, I think since he won the British in 2013. I think you're right. Good call. What they said. Good call. So I mean, you have all these now. They're old guys, and now I'm realizing that I'm the old guy too. But all these old guys coming back and, and and able to compete, and if if Tiger Tiger's iron play was not on on Sunday, it was it was he was leaving himself forty five foot putts all day long, and that's why he didn't win because he couldn't make anything because he was he wasn't close to anything. So yeah. that's, that's why his iron play was off. If he can get his iron play going and get his putter hot, he could do to Ricky and Justin what he did to VJ and Sergio in the early 2000s. Final thought before we uh, we wrap up episode three here of the Last Man Up podcast. Did you fill out an NCAA bracket, Clay Byersdorfer? I had filled out several. Okay. Wh- who was your final four? Give me your final four. So my final four, I have, it breaks me to say this, I have uh, Arizona, unfortunately getting past my Kentucky Wildcat. Okay. Listen, listen clarification here. Uh, Virginia just lost their sixth man. That's huge because he's the best athlete on that team. Also, DeAndre Ayton scores about 80 points a game and averages about 30 rebounds. Um, it just takes one team to get hot, and I think Arizona is going to come out of the south 
in that region. So I have Arizona. I have North Carolina. I really, really like North Carolina. Okay. They just demoralized Duke in that ACC, what was it, the semifinal game? Yes. Just demoralized. I'm really liking North Carolina right now. Um, then I have two Big Ten teams. I have Purdue. I just feel like they're really sneaky good. They were good throughout the year. They hit a little tough tough stretch, but I think they pull it out in the East region. And then I have the fighting Tom Izzo's in the Final Four. My Final Four is exactly like yours. Only thing, take out Arizona and replace it with Cincinnati. That's Ooh. my Final Four. Cincinnati. I'm, I'm not a big believer in Arizona because even before all these allegations surrounding Sean Miller... Arizona wasn't really like they were always a tournament disappointment. I find it hard to believe that this team is now going to come together with everything going on with Sean Miller and, and, and uh, um, the wiretap and the sure. FBI investigation. Now this team's going to come together and they're going to make it to the Final Four. I, I just don't buy it. I, but who do you have in the championship game? Championship game, I have Arizona against Michigan State, Michigan State winning. Okay, you and I, we have the same winner. I have Michigan State, but I have them winning it over North Carolina. See, I struggle with that one a lot. I just, man, I watched DeAndre Ayton play basketball, and I, I honestly like reminisce. Like, this is Shaq. I mean, in 2018, and I look at the bracket and the region that they're coming out of, the South region. I just don't. I think Arizona down low matches up with or can't match up with anybody else. You know, in in the country or in that region, I should say. Andy Hanselman, you're uh, you're I final thought, four. I thought I was crazy, but I, it turns out that I'm not. I have. Um, I had Arizona out of the South. I have North Carolina out of the West, Villanova out of the East, and Michigan State out of the Midwest. There we go. So we, we have some similarities then. Yep, and then I have Michigan State and North Carolina, and I have North Carolina winning. Okay, so I mean, we're all pretty close then. We're on the same page. So we're all going to look like and we did even the three talk of us. We're not at all. We're all, all going to look really stupid. Yeah, yeah, we're either going to look like geniuses or we're going to look really stupid. One of the two. There's never a middle ground. No, there never is. One of those teams is going to lose <laughs> first round 100%. So. How far does Missouri go? I had them losing the first game. I, I, yeah, I know. Really depends for me. If Porter takes 17 shots, or 19, whatever it was, they lose. Uh, he may have to. But, yeah, it's just it's almost the wrong time for him to come back. I mean, I'm really, really happy for the kid. I, I hope he has a successful future. But, man, they just looked out of sync, with, especially with him shooting the ball that much. Missing Jordan Barnett going to hurt them at all? Oh yes, hundred percent. I mean, is that what, is that what you think they're they're one and out? Yeah, I think they're. I, I think I think losing Jordan Barnett. I mean, now they're only playing with like seven players. Yeah, Jeremiah Tillman's going to be infaltable by halftime. True. So I mean, like they're not going to be able to be as aggressive uh, defensively or offensively. And I just think that Florida State's going to take advantage. Now, I would love for Mizzou to win. I would love nothing. Well, more sure. Than, yeah. I would love nothing more than to be wrong. I just don't think I'm going to be. I mean, everybody was so excited last Thursday. Okay. So excited. Think about how excited Mizzou fans were about a year ago after yeah. they fired Kim Anderson, they hire Conzo Martin, and then, you know, you get Michael Porter Jr., you're getting all of these, you know, three or, or these four and five star recruits to come to Mizzou to play basketball. And I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'm one of them too. I was thinking, you know what? It wouldn't shock me if this team somehow gels and they make it to an Elite Eight or the Final Four. It would not shock me one bit. Crazier things have happened. Yeah. And no. then Michael Porter Jr. plays, what, 20 seconds in game one? Yeah. And he's out the entire year yep. until last week, Thursday. And then, like, considering the circumstances and everything else has gone on with Mizzou, I think Conzo Martin's done one hell of a job. And oh, any yeah. question on whether or not he's just a recruiter and not a coach, I think we can pretty much say that this guy can coach. Yeah. I mean, he started the year with a really stacked deck. I mean, big time. And then you, fa then you have suspensions. You guys, you have guys transferring. Obviously, Michael Porter gets hurt. Like, 
it's been a tough year, but he's done a heck of a job in turning that program around. It's good to have Mizzou basketball back. It is fun to talk about Mizzou it, basketball back. It is. It's good to have Mizzou basketball back. Uh, that wraps everything up for episode three of the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay Byersdorfer at at Ton of Clay. And you can follow Andy Hanselman at Emo6. You can download the podcast at stlpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Everybody have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you next week.